Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We're back on the block, and we are joined by one of our lovely contributors here on the block, Double A, a.k.a. Andrew Alex out of 247 Sports. Andrew, how is this wonderful day for you? I'm freezing down here in Texas. I don't know about you, but I'm. Uh, it's, no, it's no bueno down here, my friend. Yeah, it's, big. it's kind of rainy here in North Carolina. I don't know. I'm looking out the window right now, looking at the beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina skyline. Uh, you know, it leaves a lot to be desired right now, but still a beautiful city and a beautiful day to be on the block with y'all. Absolutely. Listen, we've been there, there's been some great conversations. I wish I could get into this NIL conversation with you, but that would take up this whole segment because we want to talk about uh uh what we've been talking about for these last the last segment was the ranking of the 10 best college recruiting classes after the second signing day. So we want to talk about that a little bit. We went through, we've ran through, we've talked about Oklahoma, Ohio State, uh can Miami get themselves back? Uh, but there's one I want to start with you on is the one that everybody was looking for when it came down to additions to the conferences. They were trying to see how this particular university was going to move. They continue to have good recruits come in, but they just can't seem to break through or win the big one. Will they ever get back to that greatness? And that's Notre Dame. Notre Dame right now, we want to talk a little bit about it. I want to throw this out at you. One of the things that they were able to, one of the top recruits that they were able to land was an offensive lineman named uh, Charles Jag, uh, Jagusa and uh, and a quarterback, Sam Hartman, out of Wake Forest. Had a great year last year, ended up transferring in to try to run that. They have some new arrivals there, one of them being Hartman. Um, they had a linebacker, Javante Jean-Baptiste, out of Oklahoma, Ohio State, that came in. He's played 250 snaps for the Buckeyes, so he's a seasoned guy. Uh, Caleb Smith out of Virginia Tech. And, and if our boy was on the line, Nate Dog, he would have been happy. Uh, he wouldn't have been happy about that. But nonetheless, uh, that's kind of what they've got going on. Do you see Notre Dame, how they how they fare? Do you think that they're they're capable of getting this thing turned around and getting back to their winning ways? Because everybody was trying to land them as far as a big conference. Big Ten probably wanted them. I'm sure the SEC would would have taken them. Big money, big program. Yeah, big money, big program. That's uh, that's exactly right. I mean, Notre Dame was kind of the original national brand, you know, in the landscape of college football. Strick. Uh, what I'll say is, can they get back? I I, I think there's a possibility. What well, they're doing is just going against themselves is the academic rigor, right? I mean, to an extent. Yeah. Notre Dame, you know, has to uphold uh, a similar academic standard to what they do for the other students in the university. This is an issue that uh, Duke has. This is an issue that uh, Northwestern has. This is an issue that universities like Stanford has. Stanford, yeah. Uh, Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, you know, that certainly is a limitation because you're going to end up ruling out a lot of the top prospects, uh, you know, in in a lot of major college sports, but what I see with Notre Dame is bringing in Sam Hartman. The last few seasons, the quarterback position has been 
something of a question mark for the Fighting Irish. And I, I don't know when the last time you can really even say they had a Heisman contender there. I watched Sam Hartman strip play ACC football for you know the better part of the last five years. This kid got talent. This is a kid who, despite being a little advanced in age and maybe, you know, could have gone to the draft this year, I think that he believes that if he goes to Notre Dame, flexes what he can do on the national scene, he'll be able to increase that draft stock. I'll go as far as to say that Sam Hartman might be the best quarterback that Notre Dame's had in over a decade. And you add some of the pieces that they already had. Uh, you mentioned Cable Smith. He was wide receiver number one at Virginia Tech this year. Where he falls in that equation, I don't know. But if that's your number two, your number three guy with Sam Hartman at quarterback, yeah, this, this is a team that, as you look ahead to their schedule, obviously, they're going to play their normal opponents. They're going to play an ACC slate. You're going to see USC in there. That should be a fantastic matchup. Not going to happen overnight, Strick. But I don't see yeah. Sam Hartman losing to the likes of Marshall. I think the Notre okay. Dame – is a team that uh, ultimately uh, could be in the conversation for the college football playoff at the end of the year. And I thought it's been true in the past, right? And I'm not going to sit here on this show and tell all the world, because I'm sure you guys have some Notre Dame fans out there in the Midwest. There's Notre Dame fans everywhere. They're, like I said, national brand. I'm not here to tell you that they're going to be able to compete with the, uh, you know, essentially the Georgians of the world. Not this year. But I like Marcus Freeman. I like his vision, and I like this move in the short term for the Fighting Irish. Uh, in what really needs to be a building block here, here in number two uh, under Marcus Freeman. So uh, kudos to them. That is a huge quarterback get, and I'm excited to see what he can do. So here, here's one I want to. I think we might have lost. Yeah, we may have yeah, lost, lost Strick. Strick. How about that? Well, that's unfortunate. We will uh, see if we can get. Oh, you back, Strick? Can you hear me? Yeah, there you, you go. You glitched. Oh, okay. you for a second there, dude. Yeah, I'm good. All right, sorry about that. So let's let's move on and talk about before we get to the big. Let's talk about Texas. Texas obviously landing Arch Manning. Um, it's going to create a a big challenge for Quinn Ewers. We were talking about NIL and kind of just how that's all going to work out, but we're not going to get into that right now today with you. But this is a make, is this a make or break season for Steve Sarkeesian? Got some great pieces that he's got down there. They're going to, they're, you know, obviously they're losing B. John Robinson. Now you have a five-star guy coming in out of Cedric Baxter Jr. He's already there on campus. Is this, is this the year for Texas to make a move before they go into the SEC or Oh, well, I mean, momentum would certainly be something that would be appreciated, right? And, and to be fair, I think a full year of Quinn Ewers, you're not going to see an eight and five season out of Texas. But, uh, you know, the recruiting class is top of the line, of course. I mean, Arch Manning is not going to be an overnight sensation, uh, you assume, right? Because they have Ewers in there. Uh, Manning's willing to take a back seat to him. And honestly, uh, you know, I, I, I'm one to believe that regardless of who you are, whether, you know, with few exceptions, and and maybe Arch Manning is one of those exceptions, true freshmen should not be starting at the Power 5 level. Not mm-hmm. if you feel like you have a roster 
is capable of making a national championship run. Justin Fields sat, you know, a, a number of these guys. Even, you know, you look at the Heisman candidates, Drake May and the like, true freshmen, you very rarely see it. I think Quinn Ewers, though, assuming his health is going to be able to come in and be what I believe would be the front runner for the Heisman and a guy that's going to be in the conversation at the end of the day to be the first pick in the NFL draft, assuming that quarterback is the need for that team. Uh, and I think Drake May for North Carolina is going to be right in there as well. I mean, those are the two best quarterbacks uh, in college football right now. So, yeah, I, I definitely envision some improvement. I mean, if you're a fan of Texas who has seen uh, your team sort of flounder, right? Well, let's be honest, sort of flounder through a, a Big 12 conference that, you know, obviously they have some years here and there where uh, the, the conference as a whole is stronger than others, but, uh, you know, it's not the SEC. They're going to the SEC. So if you're Steve Sarkeesian, I think you can ride off the confidence. Uh, you know, you know, it, 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 you don't rebuild a program overnight, especially you know picking up the pieces from where Tom Herman left that thing. But if I'm a Texas fan, if I'm a, a donor to that program, I, I think ten wins should be kind of the goal. Nine, ten wins because. Ultimately, if you're staying at that eight-win mark and you're going into a much more difficult SEC, if you will, you know, that's not – it doesn't lend confidence. If you're Sarkeesian, I think that you really have to use this year as a statement year. Like, bye-bye, day 12, we're ready for the SEC, and as a result, they're going to have to show on the field. I think Quinn Ewers is the quarterback to do it. I think they have a decent amount of talent there. I think you said that freshman running back can step right in. But, uh, you know, the, the actual, like, recruiting prowess of the guys that he's bringing in, you know, those are players who are, you know, like you said, true freshmen. They're oriented to, to succeed in their second, third year. So it's up to the guys on this year's roster alongside Quinn Ewers to make that statement as this program transitions forward. Andrew, we talk about uh, the conference strength in football. Switching gears to men's basketball in college and the ACC, it seems like the ACC's fallen you know, back towards the middle of the pack. There for a while, it was up at the top, maybe the best basketball conference in America. At least from here, it feels like the Big 12's caught it. The SEC is there. The Big 10 and the ACC kind of feel like they're in similar spots right now. What's going on in the ACC that Clemson leads it, Pitt's up there, NC State's doing well, and Miami's having another good year? Well, there's a lot of factors that go into that, man. And the reality is the college basketball is a different sport than it used to be, right? Because uh, you have your Dukes, you have your North Carolinas, uh, you know, the Blue Bloods. Uh, and North Carolina is disappointing. I'm not going to lie. North Carolina's disappointing. That was a team that went to the Final Four last year, went to the National Championship game last year, led the National Championship game a double-digit halftime last year. Bring back pretty much the exact same roster. And it's been, uh, it's been very up and down. That's a team I still wouldn't sleep on, but if they can make it into the NCAA tournament, what were they, at 18 last year and made that run to the Final Four? Talent does have a chance to win out in the end. Uh, as for Duke, obviously, first year under uh, John Shire, uh, not an incredible program transition, but you know, asking someone to fill the shoes of the greatest college basketball coach of our lifetime is a, a tall order, right? And combine that with 
the normal one and done strategy that, that Duke seems to have employed recently, friendly, but pushed Coach Kane to retirement in the first place. I don't think thoroughly enjoyed that as much as the way things used to be. You got freshmen, then the injuries are piling up. New coach, it's up and down. This is probably one of the lesser Duke teams that we've seen in a few years. Um, Louisville's a train wreck. Syracuse, Jim Beheim, the game is passing by. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's the teams that have built a college basketball program in the way that tends to show success in the end of like, they're their own ability to see. You know, the University of Virginia, they do the, I mean, I hate the University of Virginia. I'm a Virginia Tech alumni, just like, uh, just like Nathan Brennan, but they do it right. You get high caliber talent, not too high caliber that they're going to leave early. Develop them within a system to the point where you have a team that is the strength of which is experienced upperclassmen who know how to play together. And then if you can insert a really high caliber NBA prospect, like they did in 2019 with DeAndre Hunter alongside Kyle Guy, Jack Salton, the rest of those fellows, that's how you build a national championship contender. And the flash and the flare is always going to be on ESPN towards the Zion Williamson's and the Dukes and the Kentuckys and the whatevers. But it's the UVA, the Villanova's, the Purdue's perhaps that build something sustainable where you can actually win, you know, six games in a row in a single elimination college basketball tournament against the best of the best. Because that's what counts in the end, Right. Uh, so as for the other teams that are succeeding in the ACC, kind of just the other teams that are, you know, finding their, their swing at the right time. Miami's got a lot of experience. Clemson in what is a year for Brad Brownell that a lot of people thought could be make or break coming into the year has uh, really succeeded. So, yeah, I mean, the ACC has definitely taken a step back in basketball uh, compared to, I would say, even just a few years ago when you'd have – you know, eight to 10 teams making the NCAA tournament. I don't envision that this year for the conference. But, you know, a lot of people said the, the ACC fell off last year. And uh, then Duke, Miami, and North Carolina were all in the Elite Eight. Duke and North Carolina played each other in the Final Four. So, yeah. You sleep on the ACC all you want. The top is still pretty good. And, uh, you know, on the other side of things, what's the cause of this? What's the root cause of this? comes down to football. The ACC signed a terrible television rights contract uh, under their former commissioner, uh, John Swafford. He was terrible. He really, he really, really, really set this conference back. Like, I mean, he signed the contract through 2035, so he probably set the conference back a decade. But ultimately, the revenue sharing impacts the football, which then plays back into the revenue, which then trickles down to all the other sports, which is why now, you have a school like Alabama at the top of the, you know, top of the ranking, right? Because it's just the trickle-down economics of big-money college sports. And I worry for the ACC, yes, maybe Duke and North Carolina can sustain themselves based on their national brands. But for the other schools, they might be behind the eight ball. And for the ACC, I don't know if there's an overnight solution because, like I said, 2035 under the current revenue sharing rights deal. So as a huge ACC fan, extremely disappointed. Big one for your Hokies this weekend. Whole town of Blacksburg going to be enough to pull off a win over Virginia at home. <laughs> Gosh, I hope so, man. I mean, UVA is always a tough, 
a tough one. But played him tough the first time. Yeah, they, they did play him tough the first time. Really, had one of the best offensive nights that they've had all season, despite the fact that UVA is, uh, you know, like probably the premier defensive college basketball program in the country. Right. So, I mean, that's a uh, a positive sign. Castle Coliseum has been rocking all year long. I made my way down or up there, I guess, from where I am geographically located at this point, to a couple of games. Sold out, though the team has been a little bit disappointing here in the, since the calendar year turned 2023. It's been a tough month for Virginia Tech basketball. The fans are still stuck in there. And, and here's something. I, I think Tech's lost maybe one game at home. They got nine losses overall. I think they're 0-8 on the road. <laughs> and the rest of the, every home game they played, they won. They just took care of Duke a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know he's got a good shot. It's unfortunate for Virginia Tech because uh, – yeah, an injury here, a couple of guys go cold there, uh, a bad stretch, and now you're behind the eight ball where you basically have like Randall in like one or two more regular season games if you want to make the NCAA tournament, barring another miracle run in the ACC tournament, which wouldn't rule out for this team. They got the talent. But uh, so yeah, you know what? I say they can win, but you'd be in a tough cookie, so I wouldn't guarantee it. Andrew Alex, thanks as always for joining us. We'll look forward to probably chatting some Super Bowl with you next week. Yes, back to the NFL slog. My picks last week were totally incorrect. We'll see if I can get it right this time. <laughs> we weren't going to bring that up. But again, Andrew, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. We'll have the crossover with DP and Jay when we get back to On the Block right after this.